Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello and welcome to Off The Beaten Track Podcast. I'm your host, Stu Whiffin. I hope you're all doing very well today. Are you? Nice. Nice, I'm glad to hear that. So, today's guest. I was a little bit excited about this one. Well, I, I get a little bit excited about all of them, right? Um, if I wasn't, then it probably wouldn't make for particularly good listening. So, today I met with Mr. Bob Mills. Uh, Bob Mills is a, a fantastic radio DJ and had a, a fantastic career in television. Um, probably his most famous work was in Baby Me Dinner uh, during the 90s, which was uh, a TV show that me and my friends would constantly quote and, and reference uh, and still do to this day. And uh, and so it was a real privilege to to meet Bob. Um, we met at um, WeWork in uh, Devonshire Square in London. So um, thanks to my friend Ben who uh, and the guys at WeWork for letting me use a space there um, in their building to record. Um, thank you very much. Um, a few other thanks before we get on with the podcast. Uh, thanks to Mr. 76 for producing this podcast. Um, thanks to My Name Is Ad for the artwork. And let's share a bit of love to uh, all my family at the Distraction Pieces Network. Um, and of course, the the dad of it all, um, Scroobius Pipkins. Um just quickly, I have a Patreon page, and just so you know what happens over there, um, each week I put a another episode out uh, for Patreons only, and that episode is more of a radio show, so I play music, and you can hear the tracks in full, um, and I discuss it, and I have guests, and sometimes I don't, and yeah, there's just another another episode so if you like this and you want it some more and you want to hear some records being played in full maybe some songs that you haven't heard before I'm sure you would know some of them um yeah I have a lot of fun doing it and and you know if you want to hear that then head over to uh patreon forward slash off the beaten track um and yeah if you want t-shirts we do t-shirts uh as well now we've got some pretty cool t-shirts that come in these really cool boxes we've have a little goodies um, God, I'm really selling this morning, aren't I? Sorry. Um, you can find out about everything to do with this podcast on www.offthebeatentrackpodcast.com. This podcast is in association with Pod Bible. If you want to know more about Pod Bible, 
go and have a look on the, the social medias or www.podbiblemag. It's the essential guide to podcasts. So if you like podcasts and you want to know more about your podcasters and what podcasts you might not know about, there's your magazine. Go and have a look. I'm going to shut up and get on with today's podcast. Please enjoy Off The Beat and Track podcast with Mr. Bob Mills. 76, drop the intro. I've got an announcement. Save Our Souls Clothing. www.sosclothing.co.uk Why am I telling you this? Because they're our official sponsor. Yeah, that's right. Go and check them out because their clothing is off the scale. You're going to love it. So they've decided they want to be our sponsor, which is amazing. And what I have to do is I have to tell you about why they're amazing. So here's a little bit of blurb. So they've only been going a year. And they're based in South End on Sea, just up the road from me. They put the company together based on a, a love of tattoos and alternative music. And they've worked with some of the greatest artists around the world to produce these items of clothing that are as unique as you lot. All of the designs are printed using biodegradable, sustainable and water-based inks. In addition to that, they only print on garments made by members of Fairwear Foundation. I mean, come on, great clothing and a conscience. Since going live in April last year, they've seen their audience grow massively and are now selling orders all across the world. And they were recognised by Cosmopolitan magazine as one of the best sustainable clothing brands alongside names such as Stella McCartney. I mean, that's quite a first year, right? So, go and check them out because they've put a lot of love into supporting this podcast and I couldn't be happier. What else they've done is they've given you 15% off. So if you head over to www.sosclothing.co.uk do a bit of shopping, see what you like, throw it in the basket, and then on the way out, put in the discount code BEAT15, B-E-A-T-1-5, and that'll save you 15% off. Amazing, right? www.sosclothing.co.uk, official sponsors of Off The Beaten Track podcast. Let's get back to that podcast. Off the Beat and Track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whipin. Eat well, die younger, but eat well anyway. That's how you start a podcast. Yeah. So that voice you hear is today's guest, Mr. Bob Mills. Hello, mate. It is on the bag. We've got a lovely muffin from Planet Organic who've taken over where I live. I live in Muswell and they've taken over the whole area. Uh, bought up all the little shops and they've got a massive one. And I understand what they're saying, eat well, live better. Yep. But we know that it's a marketing slogan. But as, in fact, the the better you eat, eat well, eat a lot, you'll die a little bit younger, but yeah. you'll be happier. Yeah, eat well. I don't know. The, the, the muffin is giving me a sense of well-being, a nice yes, sense of well-being. Yes. Thank but you it, very much. But what it's not doing is it's not making you healthier. Certainly not. No. Certainly not. But we understand that, mm. Planet Organic. Um, thank you ever so much for coming to uh, WeWork. It was meant to be at the Hoxton Square Bar and Kitchen, but they've been overrun with uh, festive knees up and, and all that kind of malarkey. So, um, yeah. What, uh, what they got a Christmas party on? Oh, they've got free rooms and they must be doing all sorts oh, of stuff it's, like that. It's, I, I love Christmas. I'm a big Christmas fan, but it's the one bit 
the day that we're doing this now, it's the it's the talk sport talk radio Christmas okay. do tonight. You getting involved? No, I'm not. I, I have nothing to do with it. And what I say to them, all the people I work, Alan Brazil and Jim, are you, are you coming to the party? And I'm, I'm sorry, I say, I don't mix off the park. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. At work, we're, we're friends, we're colleagues, we're yeah. lovely, but out of work, no, I don't. You've always been like that? Yeah, I have a little bit. I don't drink, you see, which is okay. a big thing, especially there, Yeah. In, the, in that sort of media business. And if you don't drink... These things are a little bit boring for you. Yeah. Because you, you, know, you chat, but I chat with people. The people I want to chat with, I chat with all day anyway. Yeah. So I don't want to chat with them in the evening when they're slightly less sensible because they've yep. got a skin full. So, yep. so no, I don't. Uh, I'm a very unsociable man. <laughs> I get that. I get that. I'm a, I'm a nightclub promoter, and, and so I'm always the one that's sober in well, a very drunk environment, and it's not much fun. Well, this is it. I spend... You know, I've spent almost my entire adult working life in clubs of and course. pubs and places like that working. So unless I'm with my wife and family going for a meal, why would why would I want to go to these places? Mm. And as I say, I don't drink, so there's no, you know, there's no pubs hold no great interest for me. Okay, well, we've not met before. Well, we kind of did. We, we did, were passing mate. ships. So we did meet, and I'm going to tell the listeners how we met. <laughs> I was going up an up escalator at Tube Station, and he was coming down an up a down escalator. <laughs> and he saw me and sort of half recognised me. wasn't sure, and then looked at me, and then just as I was nearly at the top, and he was nearly at the bottom, said. Bob Mills. And pointed. Pointed. Fuck. And then obviously tracked me down through social media and sent me a message saying, Hi, uh, my name's Stuart. I'm the man. <laughs> I'm the dickhead. I'm the man who felt it necessary to remind you of your name <laughs> on an escalator. Oh, mate. Which was hugely charming. <laughs> Bob, I had. I just interviewed <laughs> Alan McGee of Creation Records, oh, so wow. it was such a massive day for me. I was so yeah. excited. He was a big hero. Wow, wouldn't you be? And I come out of the radio station, I was on, which is literally a minute from the station. I was on cloud nine just walking down there. And I come down the escalator, and I just thought, it's Bob Mills. And I just thought, don't, don't be that guy that points at someone and says their fucking name, because it's ridiculous. <laughs> and I've never... Do you know what? I've done it once. I've done it once. And... My wife um, was worked in opticians in, in Lakeside Shopping Centre, and when we first got together, I, I was waiting for her to come out the at the shop. And as I was sitting there, Frank Bruno walked past, okay. and, I, and I'm a ridiculous boxing fan, and he's walked past. And know sometimes where you think you see someone on television so much, and you're and they're so endearing, and you, yeah. you kind of and I literally just went Frank, like he was me mate. Yeah, oh, Frank, I think I've been meaning to talk to you. And he went. What? And I went, and I ain't thought that far in advance. And I was like, you all right? And he was like, yeah, and just carried on walking. Again, I just thought, fuck oh, no. But no, it Didn't is Didn't have weird. Twitter then. <laughs> I know. I do it all the time with people. Because where I work in talk sport, they talk radio as well. So sometimes, well, I'll tell you, it's the last time I do it. I came out of my, the studio that I'm in and walked up the little corridor and the little guy was walking towards me and I said, you all right, mate? And he went, I'm fine, thanks. <laughs> By the time I got to the desk I was going to, I thought, I don't think that's the correct way to address Lord Archer, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Thinking about it. I've not, read, I've not read Burks or anything, but I think there may be a proper form of... All right, mate. Yes, thank you. Because <laughs> you see people and you think, well, do I know him? Yeah, yeah. Know yeah. Him. But the great thing about that is the escalator was taking us further and further It was apart. ridiculous. 
dear. But I'm here anyway. Excellent. I can't thank you enough. Um, so, okay, well, let's, let's start to work our way through the tracks. So, track one, I ask you to pick the song with the greatest intro, which is right. a, a fitting way to start right. a playlist. Well, here's the thing. There are many, many of these. Mm -hmm. And in, you know, in a more sensible mode, if we were sitting here sort of talking, I'd think, well, PFM's celebration mm -hmm. from the photos of Ghost Album, which starts just, yep. you know, and, and, and things like that. And I was reminded afterwards, after I'd, I'd written the one that I said I was, you know, was going to use, when I was a kid, we used to listen to the wireless. People don't remember that now, the days when we used to listen to the wireless. So I'm talking about the early 60s when we were living in uh, Huntington, a place called Huntington. And they used to announce, like, three or four days before, and don't forget, Thursday, 10 o'clock, the new Beatles song. And they, they would announce Oh, really? Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 it was a big deal. Only 24 hours away from the new Beatles song. And so we were there. We were ready for it. It was a, yeah. it was a Saturday morning. It was about 10 o'clock in the morning. And it was like, come on, new Beatles song is on. And I remember the wireless was there and the wireless was on. And it was reasonably loud. And, and by the way, this isn't my answer. Now. Right. And I remember me, my brother Colin, my sister Pamela and, and our Aka sitting there and leaning into the wireless. I'd have been about... Eight, I suppose. I can't remember. I don't know. Lean into the wireless because songs always started. And we leaned in, and this suddenly went, Help! And we all yep. flew backwards. And that was, Wow! You can't start a song like that. But they did. We started, now we're in. There you go. It's finished. It's gone. Yep. It's good. And that that was a wow! I remember that. That was a, maybe that maybe that was the first experience of the power of music. What it could do. Someone has picked help for this oh, question. Oh wow! Um, and I mean the urgency of that. Yes. It's like it's. I've got time. It is. Yes. And, and is there? Has it got a chorus? That song. Help! If you can, I'm feeling down. Is that the chorus? Well, I guess so, but I don't think of it as a as verse chorus. Because it just don't stop, right? It no. just steams through it. It starts, you bang. Yeah. But the one that I've, the, the, this is the one for me, and it becomes a, a group of people, people that I've knocked around with. We used to do it. We used to do it a lot. Uh, and if you were ever, I'm not, I've never been a big clubbing animal, but at, at the sort of, there was a time I used to go, I went to, for about a year when I was, uh, before I moved to London, I used to go to a, a club called The Silhouette, and then, for some time when I was in London, I used to there was used to be two clubs, Macready's and the old Royalty, which was underneath the Royalty Theatre in Holborn. And there was one song we used to love you know, when they started playing it because if you describe it, it starts with a harp, mm -hmm. an actual harp like they have in the things in in the orchestras. It starts with that, and then a single drum, a uh, bass drum, boom, boom, and then a really overproduced backing vocal. Yep. And then if you're on the dance floor and it's doing it, you count in because it goes boom, boom. And you go one, two, three, four. Boog and yeah, it's yeah, good. Yeah. And then it's, and we used to love that. And it's always stuck with me. And sometimes I put it on if I'm at home. I just put, uh, I put it on the speaker. And it's, it's a wonderful thing. Yeah. Because the count is exact. Yeah. One, two, three, four. And one of the great thrills of my life is that years and years later and years and years ago, um, I, used to, I used to do a program on telly called In Bed With My Dinner. 
And when we first did it, the first six episodes were an hour long. When it eventually became a half-hour show, but the first six episodes were an hour long, and they had a, they had music in them. Yep. Because so I said, what I want to do is I want to be in this house, this make this flat that you know make-believe flat that I'm in, and I want to say, anyway, enough of this. I'll fancy listening to some music, and I want to press a button like, and I'm aiming at the stereo, and then the lights go up, and there's a band playing. Yeah. And they said you can pick. All right. Who do you want? And I had Terry Hall, I had the Buzzcocks, I had the Damned, I had Stiff Little Fingers, I had somebody else, and I had, uh, I, they came on and did Boogie Nights, Heat Wave. Wow. They did two songs. They did, um, what was the other song? Gangster. Uh, what's the other song? Is it Gangsters of the Groove? I can't Their remember. other song? Boogie Nights was the first one, yeah, and the, and and so I saw them doing it, which is fantastic. Because he, Rod Temper and Monet was in Heatwave. Am I right? Because he went on to write Thriller. Oh, um, did he? Yeah, yeah. He, well, he wasn't. He couldn't have been in them then, could he? Like, he yeah, yeah. Was yeah. he in? Well, actually, in the I'm band? Pretty damn sure of it. Yeah. Oh wow. Like yeah, the dude from Heatwave. He's up from the northeast or something, isn't it? I, he lives in Kent, from what I'm Does told. He? Yeah. Oh, okay. Like I might be wrong. I might be wrong. No, I'm I think. Sure. You, but sure. I know he's one of the great figures of popular yeah. music. Him and the, it was the, it was the girl Maria McKee who wrote um, Man in the Mirror. Maria McKay wrote Man yeah, in the Mirror. I'm pretty sure. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I don't care. So I don't care. No way. What, her of Show Me pretty, Heaven? Yeah. And yeah, I'm pretty sure Maria McKay wrote Man in the Mirror. What a voice she's got. Yeah. yeah. If it's not her, it's an equally obscure woman who wrote yeah. it. Um, that that would keep the roof over your head, wouldn't it, writing yeah. that? Well, that's it. What a fantastic thing. The other, the other act that I had on, and I'm going to tell you this story now, and then I'm going to muck it up because, again, I'm going to get the names wrong. They told me, I, I, I chose this guy, I want this guy on because I really love him. I, I'm a huge fan of him. So I take it all the way into like, like Terry Orr and a Damned and Stiffly Fingers, your yeah. fans yeah, of all yeah, them yeah, bands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to come, I wanted the Damned to come on and do Neat, Neat, Neat. Oh, fuck. And, and, and New Rose? Yeah. Oh, that's got one of the greatest intros. Yeah, that is fantastic. Marcus, Rich Wilson chose that as the greatest intro. Yeah. When he done this, that's what Rich chose. New Rose. And then Terry came on and did a colourful... If you ever Colourful think oh. of me, I'll be thinking... And we had a great bit of banter where I said, are you going to do it like that? He said, what do you mean? I said, are you gonna, is that how you're going to do it? He said, what do you mean? This is how it's done. And I said, all right. In my head, it always goes, if you ever think of me, I'll be bum, bum, thinking of you. <laughs> <laughs> And he said... You made it a lounge tune. He said, well, I'll do it like that if you want. But I think you take the edge off it. But the other person that I had on there, I, I was walked into the... They were rehearsing, and I sort of got there, and it was my show, and I was a little bit Charlie Big Potatoes. I wasn't really, but they said, oh, Nick's here. And I said... To, and I went to Nick. Mate, really, thanks so much for doing this. I really appreciate you doing this. I'm really looking forward to it. There's a, there's a tree by a river, there's a hole in the ground where the old man of Aaron goes around. And he said, can I stop you right there? Do you know who I am? Oh, no. <laughs> I said, what do you mean? And he said, I'm Nick Hayward. Oh, fucking hell. And I went, yeah, no, of course you are. I was just having a laugh. What's the matter with you? And he went, oh. And I turned around and my mate said, you ain't got a fucking clue, have you? And I said, no. Is he not tree by a river? There's a hole in the ground. And they said, no. But he was brilliant. He did do it and he was brilliant. Yeah. I can't remember what he did, but he was, 
but yeah. Love Plus One, that was good by them. It was Fun Boy 3, is that him? No, Aircut 100. Aircut 100, you see, even now I don't know. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure Nick Kershaw would have been good if you would have booked him as well. Well, yeah, Tree by River, that's a great <laughs> Riddle, song. Riddle, what song? Yeah. <laughs> Oh dear. So when you while we talk about intros quickly, so when you come on stage and do your stand up, <laughs> do you have do you have a tune? Because I've asked the comedians, like, is that a thing there? Do you have to have a bit of intro music? No, here's the thing. If you're touring, yeah, you have a tune. Yeah. If you're touring, if you're doing your I've only I've only ever toured once. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not my thing touring. And what you have is you have a playlist. For them, when they come in, you say, mm-hmm. saying, all right, well, as they come in, I want you to play this, mm-hmm. okay? These different tunes for them. So that's the mood you want them in. And then when I come on and I say, I want to come on to this music. And I think I had, in fact, I know what I had. I had the one that I mentioned earlier, which is uh, Celebration by, P- not, not, not the uh, Celebration. Uh, there's a band called PFM, mm-hmm. Premiata Forneria Marconi. Mm-hmm. Italian band who did an album called Photos of Ghost and it's it's one of those it's almost like the tune to the Rockford Files mm. but it's, it's gothic prog rock which I had my period on yeah. for a while I've uh, never heard that yeah it's gothic very good prog rock yeah gothic prog rock <laughs> it's, it's a subdivision of the prog rock world so I used to have that but See, I'm I'm a circuit comic. I'm a club comic. Yeah. So I don't. Uh, there was at the in the Jonglers years. Jonglers was a comedy club, which became. It's a really unfortunate thing for people of my age, and it it became a byword for all that was wrong with comedy. It was stag nights and hen nights. And so was that a jungle? Was that at Dingwalls? Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. And the tragedy is, I remember how it started, and it started as the most beautiful, pure. Uh, experiment. There's a woman called Maria Kinsinski, who was a big comedy fan, and, and and would say to us at gigs, "You shouldn't be working in these places. They're horrible. There's no dressing rooms, and you've just got a bit of, you know, a bit of board on a couple of beer crates, and the mics are no good. And there's no. I'm going to build you a club." And she bought down in Lavender, Lavender Gardens, an old roller skating ring, and she converted it into into the first. Whatever the comedy store say, the first custom built comedy club in, in in London, and it was absolutely beautiful. There was waiters and waiters, and people came in and they ate, and then the food stops and the bar closed, and the lights came up, and there were big dressing rooms, and it was it was a gorgeous, gorgeous environment. And over the years, they franchised the name out, and it, it went like these things do. But they had this thing of of the music, and. <laughs> Because it was around and because it was kind of... But it's still the song that sends shivers down the spine of most comics of my generation. Because when it had got bad at Jungles and you were standing at the side of the stage and there was a lot of hen parties and stag nights and people screaming and being sick, suddenly they'd press the button and Robbie would start with, let me entertain you. (laughs) And your heart would sink because you would think... That's not going to happen. Yeah. What I'm going to do, hopefully, is control you. Yeah. Hopefully, I'm going to quieten you down for 20 minutes, but no one's going to be entertained here tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so, so other than that, I've uh, in, in clubs, you don't really have it. Yeah. You don't have it. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, look, for track two, Bob, I'm going to ask you... Um, 
the first song that you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you? All right, so I, I was born in uh, up north. I was born in Chester, uh, in Cheshire, and I grew up in a, a little village uh, called Huntington, just outside Farndon. Sorry, I was born in Huntington, grew up in Farndon, just out of Chester. And uh, and then we moved back into the city of Chester when I was about eight. Okay, and we were Chester's a funny place. It's very middle class. The the default position there is middle class. And it goes up from there. And you get Cheshire people. Cheshire's big money. Uh, Cheshire exists as a city because the people who lived there owned all the horrible, dark, satanic mills you know, on Merseyside. They owned, that's where their money was, but they wanted to live somewhere nice, so they lived in Chester with the castle and the cathedral and the river. So it's basically middle class. And it's a terrible place to be working class. Because being working class in London is fine, or Newcastle or Manchester, because you're part of your own yeah, community. Yeah, of course, yeah. But if you're working class, you know, in, in, in somewhere like Chester, you really are ghettoised. Mm -hmm. You know, there's only a few streets you can live in. So it was horrible. And I grew up uh, in a family where my stepdad was a big rock and roll, and he used to play rock and roll. Uh, and the radio was on and things like that. But it was, it was that kind of music, music on radio. And uh, when I was about 11... I was playing in the park, and the, the weird kid was there, the weird kid uh, who had long hair. And we'd, I'd never spoken to him, but this particular day, we just got speaking, and he became my, my dearest and closest friend, uh, Paz, Kevin Parry. And he said, do you want to come around my house and listen to some records? Which was a new experience for me, because I think we had a record player, but to go and listen to records. Sure. And I went to his house, and the, that then became until I left the, the city. That became the four years, formative years of my life, really, because he had a record collection. They were middle-class family, he had a record collection. And stuff of the most incredible beauty, you can imagine. One of the first things that he played me was Astral Weeks. And I remember sitting there, Astral Weeks was, was too much for me, I didn't understand it. it was, and then a few of the other songs. And then... Um, the two great tracks, Madame George and Cypress Avenue. And when Madame George came on, I didn't understand the words. I didn't mm. know what this was. I didn't understand what it was about. But I knew, I guess it was like a slightly illiterate person hearing poetry for the first time or Shakespeare for the first time. I don't know what this means, but God, no, it's powerful. Mm -hmm. uh, and, the, and that just had the most incredible effect on me. Uh, because it was. It was the first time I realised that music was more than something that was playing that, in the background that album's probably my favourite ever album okay and that track because it's weird that you mentioned Cypress Avenue as well because Madame George starts with him singing yes down on Cypress Avenue yes. yeah. um, it's a piece down of down on Cypress oh, Avenue yeah it's wonderful isn't it it's it, it is it's just, it is poetry it, it, it's 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 music as something other than tune and words. It's it's so emotional. It's it's a and he's done it on a number of occasions on a number of different songs. He does it on. Uh, this is Van Morrison we're yeah, talking about. I don't Van think we've mentioned so, that. Yeah, he does yeah, it on yeah. Saint Dominic's Preview with you know and, and Hard Nose the Highway yeah. and things like that. But just those all of the tracks on it. Mm. But those two, Cypress Avenue and Madame George, it's just. And it's years and years and years go by before you finally think, oh, I know what this is about. Yeah. Oh, I understand it now. But it doesn't matter. Understanding it isn't the point. Yeah. 
It's, it is like a Shakespeare play. Most people who go to Shakespeare don't don't understand it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But if it's done well, they love it. Yeah. So yeah, that that would be the first. The and that led to to many others. It led to Dylan and Neil Young and the Floyd and I was I became almost a hippie for a, yeah. for a few years. Oh, I was a golden time for music though, right? Oh man, alive! Oh, absolutely. And it was also it was a time also when the wonderful thing about this is there were bands around then who had made 10, 12 albums. Yeah. But you could still see them. Yeah. You could go down a pub and see them playing. I saw yeah. the family play in a pub in Connors Quay, you know, and they'd had seven or eight, nine, ten albums, you yeah. know, because you didn't become immediately famous in those days. It's so weird how that industry's changed now that if you don't sell X amount with your first album, now you're gone. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, it. yeah. It didn't Bands, matter then. You look at... You know, bands like Floyd, had they been dropped on yeah. the first album, you'd never have got no, Dark exactly. Side, I wish you were exactly. here. And, and it gives and I, the industry shot itself. I'll tell you what it's made me understand. It's, it's, it's given me one decent thing in life, which is this, um, because I haven't got a particularly wide outlook, but it's made me very, very uh, aware that because when I was growing up, there were five or six hundred bands that I knew were brilliant, but weren't famous. It's made me realise that when it comes to films, when it comes to books, when it comes to comedy, when it comes to all forms of uh, art, just because it's not famous, just because it's famous doesn't mean it's the best there is. Of course. You know, which, which, which appears to be the case sometimes. People say, well, he's on telly all, all the time. He must be the best. Well, no, he's not. He's just the one who's on telly all the time. Yeah. For everyone you've heard of, there are a hundred that you haven't heard of. Yeah. And if you give them the chance, they're, you know, they're just as good. Because these were bands like Bronco and, oh, man, Jess Roden and Bronco and, and people like that. And I've always loved to sing, you see. I've always loved a vocalist. So, you know, when you had people like Roger Chapman at Family and, and Paul Rogers at Free, and the, oh, yeah. it, was a, yeah, it was a golden time. So but there used to be, sorry, tell me what I'm talking to. No, you go on. There mate. was a band there. there. There was a club there. Run by a guy called the Vic something. I can't remember his second name. But it was a club, uh, a silhouette club. And they used to have, it was a disco, but they used to have music on a Wednesday night. And it's, it's remained my favourite thing in the whole world. Is the, the guy who run it used to put posters up. And at the weekend, you'd see the posters for the coming Wednesday night. And they would say, tonight, silhouette. Uh, Pink Floyd, Bob Dylan, Rolling Stones, or, or whoever was there was playing that. And you'd go, you'd go, even though you knew what was going to happen, that you would go. And you'd go there and it would be hot and, you know, everyone would be in there in their stinky, rotten denims. And then he would come out onto the stage and do these, what I now recognise as brilliant bits of uh, improvised comedy. He would come out and say, Oh, you've probably seen the adverts, uh, Jefferson Airplane on tonight I got a call about three o'clock Grace Slick can't get a babysitter <laughs> so will you please welcome Chicken Shack and of course, Chicken Shack with a house band and the ones that was, every now and again I'll talk to someone from the, the old town and we'll remember different ones that was the one with Jefferson Airplane uh, you've probably seen Led Zeppelin tonight um I'm going to be honest they got here about four o'clock uh, and did a sound check I didn't think much of them to be honest <laughs> So I had a phone round, Chicken Shack. There was Chicken Shack. There was the Rolling Stones. Uh, they're in a. They're, I don't know if anyone's got a tow rope. They're in a van. They've broken down on the M62. <laughs> chicken Shack. 
They were wonderful. And my favourite, the one that sticks out, is Bob Dylan. Right. Yeah, Bob Dylan uh, tonight. I don't know if you've seen him. I saw him at the them thing he did at the Isle of, Isle of Wight. Well, he's turned up here on his own. <laughs> no band. No, I'm not having that. No, no. Chickens. And he oh, was brilliant. And he... <laughs> And we didn't know what a genius he was. Yeah. Because we said, yeah, no, maybe, no, it will be tonight. Yeah. No, definitely it will be. It's a Grateful Dead. <laughs> he said the Grateful Dead. Uh, everyone, every singer, these huge bands. He never did the Beatles. And apparently, years and years later, his son, I met his son. And I said, I used to love your dad and do that. And he said, yeah, you know, he never did the Beatles. Because in his mind, he would always get the Beatles one day. Oh, really? Yeah. Because he'd seen the Beatles when they were, and he was yeah. going to get the Beatles because they played the ABC in Chester when they were first touring. So he always in his mind, no, because one day I'll have that. One day instead of Chicken Shack, I'll say, yeah. so the Beatles are here. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> so you said you was like you, you used to rinse the records and that ran, ran your friend's ass. Did, was there music on it? Rinse? Play. Oh, okay. Like, um, Genuinely, is that what it is? Is rinse? I, well, I don't know. Just a bit of DJ lingo okay, no, there. Um so was there music on at home when you was like growing up? Not really. No radio. The radio yeah. was on, and then I got a record player. I tell you what, I got when I was about when I started working when I was fifteen. I got a music centre out of my mum's catalogue. Right. You know the ones with the two speakers yep. and the cassette. Yeah. And the and I would buy records, but no, I never had a collection, but yeah. I didn't need one because my mate had this yeah. massive collection. Oh, right, well, look, let's let's. Let's let's go back a bit then to school. And for track three, I asked you to pick the song that reminds you of your time at school. Wow. Okay. The, the it, it was the beginning of me being slightly different because when I was young, I, I, my family was, was split up slightly. But I had an older brother, my oldest brother. I've still got an oldest brother. He's still with us, Colin, who was. Um, he left home to go and live with my... My granddad died, so he left home to go and live with my nan because he was clever and the rest of us. He, he, you know, he was quite, yeah. quite studious, and so he went there because it was quieter and he could study. And so he was a little bit older than us as well. He's, he, he would have, he's about six years older than me, so when I was sort of 10, 11, 12, he would have been you know, studying. But he came round one day uh, and he had a record with him in a, in a picture sleeve. And he said, oh, you've got to hear this record, man. You've got to hear this record. It's absolutely fantastic. Uh, and he played it, man. And I remember playing it, my brother, and he asked me and my brother. My brother sort of said, this is a load of shit. Because <laughs> my brother was, uh, my brother was kind of a skinhead. And it was, if it wasn't Prince Buster, he weren't interested. Yeah. This is a load of shit. This is a load of hippie shit. And my sister, well, uh, shut turn that hippie. But it was Rider White Swan. Right. The original picture, you know, the picture of Rider White Swan. And I remember, to my shame, Saying, yeah, I don't really like that, but but thinking that's the best thing I've ever heard. I've never heard anything. But, but you have to understand that in this family, to come into this family, say no, listen to carefully. Uh, right away, it's one like the people of the Beltane. If you weren't our brother, mate, we'd beat you up now. Yeah, you know, we're putting up with it because it's you. But don't don't be coming round our house with yeah. people of Beltane. We're not interested, you know. Uh, but I loved it. I loved it to, to bits. And uh, when I was at school, I fell in with this other little crowd that were into 
Tyrannosaurus Rex mm -hmm. then, and yeah, Beard of, of Stars and Prophetsies and Sages and those sort of things. And it was it was the first sort of guilty secret that I had, because they were very, you know, you were a weirdo. Basically, if you like. So anything sort of artistic or, yeah, or kind of yeah. left field. People like. were, where I went to school, people were into the into the Jackson. You know, they were into Tamla. Yeah. And they were into that sort of thing, which I was as well. I loved all that. And yeah. certainly in my family, if you, you know, what's all this? He looks like a girl. Yeah. Because I remember I, I got a Mark Boland T-shirt at one point. Yeah. Mark Boland's the most beautiful creature that's ever yeah. lived. I don't care. I don't care. How old I don't care what your sexual proclivities are. That is the most beautiful creature. He was so, a very beautiful man. You know, yeah. Absolutely. But I can remember he used to come on the telly. My dad laughing. My son, my, look at him. Look at him. Uh, look at him. Look at that puff. Have a look. Oh, have a look. And then when Bowie appeared, it was the turn the telly off. <laughs> turn the telly off. I'm not watching it. Oh, turn it back on. Dick Emery's on. Yeah. You know, or or or, or Wise dressing up as women. Yeah, we'll have that. But yeah. they wouldn't. But uh, so that always makes me think about this kind of secret life that I had for a little while. Did you like glam then? Yeah, I, I mean, at the time, of course, it wasn't it wasn't glam. That's the other thing I love about T Rex because Tyrannosaurus Rex, as hippie as you can get, mm -hmm. you know, the, the, the Glastonbury band, Beard of Stars is one of the five greatest albums ever made, mm -hmm. and all those. Are, and then, of course, they adopted glam, and p people go on about Bowie, but I think it was Boland really that. that, that really started it. Mm. Uh, I love glam, yeah. I love sweet, mud, chicory tip. Mm. I love all that kind of stuff, yeah. Do you know what it is? Sorry, I'll keep interrupting you. No, it's fine. There's a thing, and I can't, I can never get the quote right. It's some, from something quite clever. And it is the, the, um, I can't think of the word, but it's basically the effect of cheap perfume. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. When you go through life, you think, uh, I'll tell you what, Bob Dylan's John Wesley Harding. I'm gonna that's going to stick with me for the rest of my life. But in fact, what sticks with you is Donna's all kind of everything. Yeah. Because it's a beautiful piece of music. Yeah. You know, it's cheap and, it's, and it is cheap perfume. Yeah. And that is what stays with you. Yeah. I mean, I'm 61 now, and that, more, more and more I look back at my life and think, yeah, that... If you gave me a choice now, put something on, I would put on... Right now, because I've just said I'd put Darna's All Kind of Everything on. Yeah. I'd put Yellow River by Dawn. Yeah. You know, I'd put Kenny, Smart, you know, yeah. because it's, there is a beauty of it. There yeah. is something, it gets in your soul and you can never wash it yeah. away. But that's, that's pop music, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, pop music. Like, Three-minute pop singles. And, and it's weird. I've, I've, I spoke to some people that were in... You know, super credible indie bands on this, and and now they're they're songwriters. Um, you know, they've, they've they've kind of moved away from being in the public eye, and they write for for pop acts now. Yeah. And they say, look, you know, we can write these dark, awkward indie songs. Yeah. You try writing a three-minute three pop, pop song that's going to stick. Yeah. That ain't easy. And yeah, like, and that's right. why when people nail it. It, it's, it goes in and it don't go away. It don't ever go away because that's what it's designed to do. It's designed to get in your head and stay there for six weeks. Absolutely. So you can buy it and then it'll go to the top of the chart. Yeah. But it's like heroin. Yeah. I've never had heroin, but it don't go away, does it, yeah. after six weeks? A little bit of it stays there. Absolutely. And years and years later, my mate Paul Tonkinson always does that brilliant thing about he lived through Manchester yeah. and the uh, you know the ecstasy. And, the, and, the, and he says, and now... When I'm in my 50s with two children, I'll be walking around Sainsbury's looking at 
can I get that? Yes, that's lactose free. I can get that. And then suddenly, <laughs> through the speakers, will come. And I'm off. Big fish, little fish, come on. And the kid's like, Mom, Dad's having a flashback. Because <laughs> it never goes away. The, yeah, the joy absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So, how was school? No, nah, I, I took. No, nah, not really. I, I went to a, a nice little primary school. Uh, I went. All right, here's the thing. So I grew up in this little village when I was at school age. We moved there when I was about two because uh, my mum remarried. Uh, and we moved to this little village and I went to a little primary school where the first job in the morning was to get the coke from the, from the coal shed to put into the furnace. Yep. Okay, it was that kind of place. It was almost Dickensian, yeah. a little village school. And then I came back to Chester and I went to a place called Cherry Grove uh, Primary School. And right, here's one of the great memories of my life. I'm sorry about this, but I'm, I'm yabbering on. When I, we went to live with my nan. Right, my granddad had just died, and we, we had looking for a council house. And in the meantime, me, my stepdad, and my mum went to live with my nan. My sister and my brothers, I don't know where they went, they were shopped off to other relatives. And I remember sitting on the steps at my nan's house, right, the, so they couldn't see me. And I overheard a conversation which said, well, he can't start in, um, at this new school till uh, September, you know, when they go back in September, so he can't, he can't start till then. And this was about July. No, June, it would have been June. It was, it was about June. Um, so he's just going to have to stay off, then they'll have to start there when he starts there. And I remember thinking, yes, it's like four months before I go yeah. to school. Oh, it's fantastic, fantastic. And I went to bed, and I think the following weekend, Sunday, they said, right, you, you got to have a bath. Why? Well, you got school tomorrow. No? What, what do you mean I got school? Well, Mr Sutton, very kindly, who's the headmaster of the village school an hour and a half away, uh, lives in Chester, and he's going to pick you up in his oh, car. Oh, how horrible. So for about <laughs> five months, I had to be at the end of my road at, like, half past seven yeah. and get it in the headmaster's car, which was a Woolsey with leather seats, to be driven to this school and then driven back when I used to get home about eight o'clock at night. And it... Oh, God. It That's was, shit, mate. Yeah, that is really shit. <laughs> that is really shit. And then I went to Chago and then, uh, and then a stupid thing happened. They'd abandoned the 11 plus and I was apparently, because I was a bit, not, a bit mouthy then as I am now, they, they mistook that for intelligence and they put me in the grammar school. And it was a stupid thing to do because I, I liked it for about a week because it was quite exciting. But it was, it was an old, it was a Northern Boys Grammar School, which is proper. But, uh, you know, if you, you fall behind for a week and you, you're lost completely. Yeah. You know, there was awful. <laughs> I remember going once, in, in the third year, I went into a science lesson. And, uh, I'm sitting there, and she's like, open your book at page 47. I open my book at page 47. And he was talking to me, and I was thinking, I don't know what you're talking about. I, said, I, I don't understand what you're saying. What's that got to do with what's written on this page? And he obviously saw my face, and he walked around behind me and picked up this book and looked at it and said, what lesson do you think this is? And I said, it's science. And he said, which science? And I said, oh, no, what do you mean, which science? And he said, if you're not, you know, this is the third year you're in, you know, for the last month, there's been uh, chemistry, physics and biology. And I said, no, I didn't know that. I thought it was just science. 
And he, I remember he looked at me like, yeah, I've got, I've got the energy for, you know, but not for you. If you don't even understand that there are, you're, you're now supposed to be going to a different class, yeah. then forget it. So I, I, I'm, I'm mullered through to my fourth year and then I left at the end of my fourth year, which you could at the 15 yeah. and a half. That was, you know, which is fantastic. It was a liberating yeah. day. Okay. <clears throat> well, we'll talk about what happened when you left school in a bit. Okay. But um, but now for track four, I asked you what the first record you remember buying was. Now then, here's the thing. I mean, it's a cracker, right? Okay. I, I'm going to start with an admission. Right, okay. I bought two records at the same time. Right, one ain't so cool, I bet. And one's nowhere near as cool. <laughs> one's nowhere near as cool. And in fact, no, they wouldn't have been at the same time because they were different. They were different things. Now, now I'm right. It is the first record I bought, so you can't argue with this. But my nan took me to Hilda Catherall's record shop at one point and said, you can have any record you want. She was quite liberal, and she said, don't worry, I don't care what your mum and dad said, you can have any record you want. And for some reason, whatever the options were, I chose, um, I think it was Matthew, or Morning Has Broken or something, but it was something really, really naff. But that was either before or after. The first record I ever bought, put my money on the counter and bought at Rushworth and Draper's, was definitely because uh, I remember the the inner it was was paranoid. That's it, a decent first record, it's Sabbath, a right? First record. But here's the thing, I didn't know Sabbath. I had, at this point I wasn't really you know I didn't know so I didn't know Ozzy Osbourne, but I knew even at that age I knew a riff when I heard it. Yeah, and I'd heard it on the radio and thought, God, I have that because it was just I didn't know what paranoid meant. I had no idea. I thought it was a made-up word. Yep. I didn't understand any of the lyrics to it at all. But just that riff. And I've loved riffs ever since. Uh, it still holds up right now. still sounds as fresh as the day it it's come out. It's gorgeous, isn't it? And then later on, when you hear the story of it, of yeah. course, they'd made the album and the record company guys said, I wish there was a single on this. Yeah. And then Tony Allen with his, with his funny metal yeah. finger and yeah. all that. It's, it's a great story. you know, And it, uh, and it adds to it. But... It's it's weird with 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 Aussie because you know it, I think because of the whole kind of thing throughout the the early two thousands with the the Osborne's TV show and that it become a bit of a, a sort of a farcical character really and and you know I know that Sabbath and that still do the the download festival and things like that but everything else aside and and as much as people talk about the how great they are as a band. His voice is amazing. Yeah, it is fantastic. And it doesn't sound like anyone else. It's such a unique voice. It is a unique voice. Funny enough, I, I, I think long and hard about singers. I, I, I have an ever-changing list of my top five favorites. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping 
and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Vocalist. And Ozzy never gets on it. Yeah. And the reason is... I never think he has to work that hard. Yeah. It sounds like that's just, he just. Effortless. So he just, oh, yeah, oh, no, so I'll ever go singing. <laughs> and that just came yeah. out. Whereas when you listen to, to Paul Rogers or yeah. Dumtree, yeah. you, you, you have the impression that they yeah. have to practice really hard to get like that. Yeah. Whereas him, he just sounds, that because that's how he talks. He yeah. talks like that. It's just yeah. him talking a bit that's louder. A, that's, that's a good point. So, um, but it is, it's a great song. It's a great song, man. And where did you buy it? Uh, not Hilda Cathers, because she didn't stock it, because she didn't stock it. It was on Vertigo. I think it was on Vertigo. I can't okay. remember what it was on. But there was some labels she didn't stock. So I would have bought it from Rushworth and Drapers, which was the other record show. Because, of course, there was a time before um, Tower Records and our price and all that kind of nonsense. When there were no there yeah, yeah, yeah. big records, there was just your local record shop. Yeah. And ours was uh, Hilda Cathers. Or Rushworth and Drapers. Hilda Cattle did more religious music. Yeah. Because she was in the, the, the little road where the cathedral was. <laughs> Our local record shop was half a toy shop and half a record oh, shop. Oh, yes. As a kid, where else do you want to go? Many years ago when I was with, working with Danny Baker a lot. I did my apprenticeship on the radio with Danny Baker. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, every, every, everything, everything that I've ever achieved, which isn't a lot, uh, is, is because of Danny, because, you know, because I, I adore the man. I, yeah. I just adore him. And one of the things we used to do was was shops, two-in-one shops, and people used to phone him from all the world. And the greatest ever, and it was when he was poorly, bless him, a couple of years ago, I, 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 I saw it and took a photo of it in Turnpike Lane because I thought this, if I, this might just cheer him up, and I sent it to him, and it was a shop, and it was called... Um, Right, not sh- right. These things only work if they sound a bit like something yeah. else, like shaken back. But this was called uh, shaken brow. Right. Okay. And it did eyebrows, eyebrow threading, and milkshakes. <laughs> of course it did. Okay. <laughs> and I'm going to take a picture of it and send it to him, and then having the discussion, which is, if there are. If there's one thing you don't want in the room when you've got a milkshake, it's eyebrow hair. Yeah. You want you don't want any connection between eyebrow hair and milkshake. And also, <laughs> I've never had my eyebrows done, but I've seen it as I've walked through shopping precincts, and women have to lie with their heads back. Yeah. So you can't drink a milkshake. No. And you've got someone else's hands all over your and you face And you've got someone well. else's... And there's going to be a little bit of hair. Every time you're drinking it blind because you can't see, you know there's likely to be a bit of hair in there. 
And it came and went within about a month, this shop in Turnpike Lane, shaken brow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. Do you reckon that was just someone that had just kind of, they, they were good at shaping eyebrows? And, yeah, uh, and, 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 and they had a milkshake machine, or and they uh, liked the milkshake. Yeah. But everything about it was wrong, because shaken brow means nothing. Yeah. It's got to sound like something yeah. else for it to work as an idea. Yeah. The greatest one I ever heard was uh, years ago, that uh, British home stores sued um, a small little kind of garden centre oh, called yes. British Gnome Stores. Ah, uh, oh, yes. And I mean, that's, that's, that's a lovely little title, but apparently British home stores come straight down on them. Well, here's the thing about British home stores. <laughs> right, OK. British home stores is the national arm of the company. Right. But there was, had used to be, uh, local so there'd be a Gray's home store. Right. In Tottenham, up until about 20 years ago, there was North London home stores. Seriously? Oh, yeah. There was North London home stores, South London home stores, Cheshire home stores, and then the big ones were British home stores. No way. Mm. I bet if you look where you live, there will have been yeah. your local home stores, yeah. All under the same great umbrella. They used to have brilliant calves at British home stores. Yeah. Yeah, they used to have good calves there. And then they went, and the one that I tell you what opened up in, when it closed down in in Tottenham was a place called Mister Hot Bread. So, I mean, that sounds a That's lot better than Shane know, Brand, doesn't it? it? Yeah. Do you want to come, Mister Hot Bread? Yes, I do. <laughs> I have no idea what I might find there, but oh, I'm definitely coming. I'm all over that. <laughs> oh, brilliant! All right, well, look for track five, um, Bob. I've asked you to um, pick the song that soundtracks your clubbing years now. You did mention earlier that... Right, I didn't have clubbing years. Right, okay. Let me me explain. So I left school when I was 15, and then I left Chester when I was 17. I I struggled along for a couple of years, and it wasn't wasn't happening. So I left and came to London. And when I came to London, I I started working in uh, nightclubs, not nightclubs, in in clubs, strip clubs, actually, around Soho. Doing stand-up? No, 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 no. God, no, I didn't start doing stand-up until I was 30. But because of that, apart from a a short period of about seven months when I was first married uh, and I worked in the rag trade for my wife's uncle and then I worked uh, as a car valet, my entire working life has been spent, uh, I've worked in the evenings. Mm -hmm. So I never really had a, and and, and again, I don't drink, I've never been been into the sort of scene. Mm -hmm. So I've never really had a clubbing time, but but the the clubs that I first went to were, were in Chester, the Silhouette, the place where they had bands on a, on a Wednesday. Chicken Shack, Chicken Shack, Let's have a Chicken Shack. Ladies <laughs> <laughs> and gentlemen, uh, I don't know if you've heard uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young on tonight. Um, they've turned up, got all their gear, um, but no Young. <laughs> Crosby, Stills, Nash, and I said, listen. I'm not playing for three. I'm not playing for four when I'm only getting three. So, let's have a chicken shack. <laughs> so, so um, we used to go there to the silhouette and dance. But it, I was, but the one, it was all that kind of. What was what? What's it called? That the time here. It's not tabler, is it? It's like uh, Rocky Baby, and Hughes Corporation. I understand why the old fisherman sail along. It, and, and the strings. Was that more sort like of Barry like... Barry White and those strings. Mother, that... father, brother, sister, those... That was more sort of Philly, wasn't it? Yeah, then? Philly, that's what it is, a Philly yeah. song. 
And there was a song, and I loved it because they're still one of my fa- it's still my favorite band name. Uh, and it was it was you can do magic. You took the rain. Because if you can't dance, if all you can do is just go from one foot to the yeah. other, then you took the raindrop to fill my eye. It's a, and it's a, I like it. It's a jolly song. Yeah. You know? I was, it always reminds me of the silhouette. And yeah. They put it on and you think, oh, God, it closes in an hour and I still haven't got a girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> Start looking around. And I was <laughs> did, you, did you ever have the confidence to go and say like to a girl? Because no. I, I could never do it. I had a mate, Andy Wilde. Uh, Andy Wilde was two years older than me and he'd, and he'd been as, uh, a schoolboy at Arsenal. He'd gone from Chester to Arsenal and he played for Arsenal. And for a, for a, for a season after they won the double, he was uh, the match of the day opening titles had him and the other Arsenal apprentices running around Highbury with the two trophies. So he was like, a, he, he didn't make it then, he was back in Chester, but he was a legend because of this. And, and he Andy Wilde, what yeah, a great what a name, name as well. In it, in it. And he used to chatter girls. And I used to watch him and think, oh, I've no idea what's he saying. And I used to get closer so you could fucking hear what he was saying. Yeah. Like there was a language that yeah. I could learn, but I never, I never did learn it. But I used to go from one foot to the other to You Can Do Magic, which is by? America. What? America, right? Get out of town. What are you talking about? America horse with no name, America. Who? Who done it then? <sighs> Do you want to play and? Go on, go for it. Do you want to play and? What's saying? Oh, come on. You've never been in a car journey with three other daft comics. This is how you play it. Right, I'm, I'm, I'm all ears. I'm okay. all ears. Right, America, America did do You Can Do Magic. No, they didn't. They didn't. Right, you ready? Yeah. I'll start, and your answer has to begin with and. And then it's easy. All right, here's, here's an easy one. Let's start easy. Florence. And the machine. There you go. Yeah, Wayne Fontana. And the... Mindbenders. Yes. Okay. Kilburn. And the High Roads. There you go. Uh, Blast Furnace. Don't know. And the Heatwave. Right. Limmy. No. That's who did You Can Do Magic. Limmy. Limmy and the Family Cooking. Right. Yeah, what a band they were. Limmy and the Family Cooking. (laughs) That means nothing. (laughs) At all. I presume you mean cooking as in, yeah, man, we got something cooking here like that. But none of the music you produced led us to, to have that vibe that right. you were cooking something. It was very placid, so kind of middle-of-the-road stuff. But that was Limmy and the family cooking. Yeah. And where were they from? Were they English? No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have thought so. Yeah. No, because no English band would ever do the rhyme. Um, you can be back in the grace. Uh, they would never rhyme magical and tragical. No English songwriter would ever no. sing to those depths. No. Oh, you got to play the end game. I've never played that before. I like it. No, no, no. Dion? And the Belmonts. Okay. Wayne County? Don't know. And the Electric Chairs? Chakademus? Applies. Peter Paul? And Mary. There you go, you see? <laughs> Just gets better. Oh, my God. Captain Beefheart? And, oh... Oh, God, no, who was Captain B and... His magic band. Nick Cave. And the Bad Seeds. Frank Zappa. <laughs> oh, I don't know that one. And the Mothers of Invention. Of course, of course you do. the Mothers of Invention. <laughs> what a great game. Brad Poole. Don't know. And the Tremolos. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Okay. 
We could waste. Uh, I, I, I know, I know. Right, and, and, and once I want to start this. <laughs> Ten o'clock comes around very quickly. All right. Well, I want to get on um, to track six, which is a, a song from an artist from your hometown. Well, this was difficult for me, of course, because my hometown was Chester, mm-hmm. and it's not famous. It's very. If you said a comedian. Mm-hmm. Or an actor from my hometown. I'm very proud of some fellow Cestrians. Um, Russ Abbott is a Cestrian. Yeah. Uh, Keith Harris and Orville. Have both. you gone for a track by either of those? Atmosphere no. or? Oh, no? I could have had Atmosphere. <laughs> yeah. Or I could have had. I wish I could fly. Yep. There you go. I could have had that there. Uh, Daniel Craig, of course, James Bond. Okay. Uh, the Norris out of uh, Coronation Street from Chester. Right. But as far as bands go, the only one really, and I didn't know this until I was living in London, someone said, oh, this, well, you're from Chester. Oh, this band is from Chester. It's Manson. Mm. It's from Chester. And I was not into Manson particularly, but they did have one very, very good song, which was, is it Tax Loss? Mm. Tax something. Tax, tax loss, loss, yeah. Tax Loss, which is a really good song. It's a f- cracking it, record. It, it managed to move around. And I, I, I had a strange little buzz of pride. Because I would say to people, yeah, yeah. Uh, they're from my hometown, Lisbon. Do you know them? No, because I've not been there for 26 years. But, yeah, they're from my hometown. <laughs> they're, they're a cracking band. I've got, I've got a lot of time for Manson. They're, they're, their first two albums I thought were superb. Have you seen the video to Tax Loss? It's where they're throwing the money away. At Liverpool Street. Okay, right. is that part of the video? Because I've seen them throwing the money away. So they, and that then becomes... That's right, yes, yes. Slap that, bam well, in the middle of rush hour. For yes. anyone that's not seen it, they throw... Is it Liverpool Street? I'm sure it's Liverpool Street, the yeah, which is literally where we are. Um, and they, it's proper fivers, isn't it? Yeah, they yeah. launch it from like the sort of second floor, something like ten or twenty grand in in fivers out onto the the floor below, and then literally film the the, the mayhem that ensues from there. But uh, yeah, so I, I remember a little bit. So is it, was it just two albums that they had? No, no, they had uh, they didn't, they didn't. three, and the singer um, has just started, has just put, or recently put out a solo album. Okay. They've, they've got a, like a ridiculously diehard fan base, and uh, they've got. It's really weird that they they only put them three albums out, but they've, they've just got this following. I mean, they've not put anything out from that third album to his solo album for probably maybe 10, 15 years. But th- the buzz around that band. They are, they were big. And it's an odd name because it's Man's Son, isn't yeah. it? Not Manson. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Charlie, man. Oh, yeah. man. It's Man's Son, which I don't know mm. quite what that, what, what that means. But, yeah, it's nice that they were from there. Because it's a funny thing about Chester, because it's, it's a big city. It's a proper mm. city. Loads and loads of footballers. Yeah. I mean, you know, Ian Rush, Michael Owen, all those were from Chester. Mm-hmm. But, and actors and, and uh, you know, some quite big gun people, you know, a few comics that come from there. But never really, Manson pretty much the only band, as far mm. as I know. Maybe there's others, maybe there are now. Mm. But it's not, it doesn't produce rappers or yeah. grime artists or yeah. anything like that, as far as I know. I might do now, I don't know, I've not been there for a long time. I'm looking forward to track seven. What's track seven? Oh. I'll tell you what, before that, can we talk about In Bed Me Dinner for a little bit? If you want, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I've got a few things that... Uh, that show was like... <laughs> that partridge were the two things that me and my mates quoted... Wow, that's a great honour for me. Quoted forever. Oh, wow. Um, that and partridge, yeah, thank you. I, I mean, never... Did any of us not walk through 
a front door where all our mates were and not go, hack off. Hack off. Like, Here she answered the door <laughs> to me. <laughs> and that he's dead. Yeah. Constantly used to quote that. That is dead, yeah. And the, the, the dude on the building, it's like, still out, John? All right. Oh, is it still out, Steve? Still out, Steve. Yeah. What, next week? <laughs> It's not what, back here. No one there. No one there. There's no job for you. Well, all right. The, the, here's the thing. Um, people have come up to me over the... Right, here's the thing about in Bedford. It was made very, very quickly. We used to do four shows a night. Because in the making of television, the big money goes is on studio costs. We didn't have big money. So we had to do, get as much in as we could. So every night we had the studio, we had to do four shows. So we do four half-hour shows in like three hours. Little break in between, then come and do the rest. So I'd do one, and then I'd have 10, 15 minutes while they reset. The set was always the same, reset and put the new little jokes in that I was going to do. And I'd have a quick fag and a cup of coffee, and then I'd go back out and do the rest. Uh, and I had a little uh, guy under the camera with a little board, so I knew which, you know, what one, just words, so I knew yeah. where I was going to go. But the only way you can do that is to do it and then wipe it away. Wipe it out of your head and get on with the next one. So there are many, many things that people who, who watch the show know more about it than I do. Yeah. And people have come up to me over the years and walked right in front of me and said things, and I've thought, what? What's he talking about? And then I thought, oh, my God, of course, yes, yes, my yeah. dinner. Yes, Mr. Someone came up to me in the street once and went, eh, Mr. Sexy Banana. <laughs> I thought, do what? And then I thought, oh, no, that was the place. But two the greatest weeks. of all, sorry, I'm, go on, sorry, no, right. go on, I'm interrupting. The greatest of all, I was I was doing two nights in Durham, uh, Friday and Saturday, and I did the Friday. And on Saturday, I didn't have much to do. I was staying in student dig, so I sort of had the day when I was wandering around, waiting for the for the Saturday night gig. And but I went to the cathedral because I love architecture and uh -huh. I, I go to churches whenever I can find one. And I'm in the cathedral and I'm standing there and I'm standing in the nave of um, <laughs> Durham Cathedral. And I became aware of someone coming along Simon now turn, and there was a clergyman, some level of clergyman, chaplain or something, because he had the full gear on, and he looked me in the face and said, should have been a clip on that font. <laughs> Game's fucked. Game's fucked, mate. <laughs> I turned around and walked away. And I thought, no, you can't do that. You oh, can't. brilliant. And so... It, <laughs> It is. Oh, amazing. People won't know. It's a, t it's a TV program that I did. Let me tell you how it came about very, very quickly because Danny Baker is again involved in it. Danny Baker phoned me up and said, uh, do you want to do, do some work with me? And I said, yeah, of course I will. And he got me, me and Mark Lamar, he asked. He said, I've got a show I'm going to do for uh, LWT and I'm going to call it World in Acton. And I'm going to do uh, loads of little bits, little topical bits, a bit like Letterman, because people, you know, people didn't know Letterman. Little bits here, little bits there, we'll do a little bit. And I want you two writing on it. I said, yeah, lovely, lovely. Uh, and I told my agent, my agent was involved in it. And then my agent phoned me up and said, I've just had a phone call from Jeff Pope, the producer at LWT. And basically he said, Look, I'm sorry this is, the, you know, this is the first time we're working together, but that show isn't happening. Because mm. Danny's had a better off from the BBC and he's going. And my agent at that time was old school cigar, Bobby. And he said, uh, whew, it's not very good for you, is it, mate? And he said, what do you mean? So, well, you got them, so you've got six one-hour slots. Uh, what, you got to go and tell your boss you can't fill them? Six one-hour late-night slots. And he said, well, that's my problem. I'll deal with it. He said, I'll tell you what, Bob's got a load of ideas. Why don't we come down and have a chat? 
And he said, well, by all means, yeah, we could pop in tomorrow afternoon. So I turned up the next afternoon and met my agent who said, I've told him about all your ideas. And I said, I haven't got any ideas. I don't know what you're talking about. What ideas are these? And he said, what about that one about? And I said, no, not mine. Must have been one of your other <laughs> clients. But that thing about, no, again, not mine. So we went up to this room and, was, and I walked in and sat down and, and Jeff Pope was sitting opposite me. And, uh, and I said... Hello, I've interrupted the podcast again, haven't I? Sorry, it won't take a sec. All I want to say is, the songs that we're talking about in this podcast, if we can't play them, it's just because of the regulations regarding playing licensed music and such. So if you want to hear the songs, just go over to Spotify and search off the beat and track podcast and you can listen to all the songs because i've put playlists up for each of these if you can't find it on there i'll send links on all the social media accompanying each episode so you've just got to press that one button and you can go through and you can enjoy all the songs that our guest picks anyway i'll shut up get back to the podcast see you on the other side i'll tell you what i've always wanted to do a program when you come around my house i'm a right nuisance I will never play an LP. At one point, I'll say, listen to this. Listen to this guitar solo on this album. Yeah. And then I'll take it off. And people say, well, why can't I have the old thing? And I tell, uh, there are loads of television programs that I would show you a minute of because I don't, I don't like the whole program, but this little... And we talked about it, we talked about it, and then it grew from that, and we said, yeah, let's do it. So we did it, and we, and, we, and we got there, and we got a load of old tapes from the basement, and we looked through them, we came up with some basic ideas, and then one day we was, we was in his office, the 15th floor of LWT, and I had always wondered, why do you need security tapes? Because the window, like the one we're sitting in now, 15th floor, was a big window, and there was tape up and across, which I took to be some kind of alarm thing, right. a trigger or something like that. And I said to him, why would you need an alarm on a window on the 15th floor? And he said, it's not a lot, it's a goalpost. I said, oh, of course. And so we made we, we a little ball that we made for yeah. sellotape. And the, game, the, the thing was, you had to throw it through this little hoop on the sim and then head it into this goal. And we played right. this game for hours and hours and hours. And um, during the day, some woman phoned from downstairs and said, listen, we're about to go to programming. Uh, this program that you're doing on Friday, what's it called? Um, we're just having a meeting about that. And then this phone about an hour later. Uh, we'd, we'd really need the, the name of this program. Yeah, well, we'd have it a lot quicker, to be honest, if you didn't keep phoning <laughs> us. We're having a meeting because we were in like a semi final of this game we were playing. <laughs> and then about four o'clock in the afternoon, I threw it up and I headed it and he dived to try and save it. And we heard a cough and we turned around and the woman was in the doorway <laughs> and said, and the name of the show. And we literally both looked and the only thing we could see was a poster for. In Bed with Madonna, which is that thing. Yeah. And we, we both said, it's called In Bed with Madonna. In Bed with Madonna. So thank you. And turned around and walked away, and that's what it became. Oh, amazing. And that's why it was called that. But if you haven't seen it, it doesn't matter. You don't worry about it. There's, there's Harry Hill's TV burps on and all sorts of very exciting shows. That you but that was, it, that was first, right? Yeah, yeah, it was the first of them. It wasn't the first of everything. It was the first of that. But it existed because it was in the perfect time. They'd only just started doing late night television. Yeah. Janet Street Porter had yeah. started doing late license. And basically, as long as you could do something for cheap, yeah. literally, I mean, I'm talking a thousand pounds a show. Yeah. 
you know, which is all studio and equipment, yeah. nothing else. Really. I got, I think I got 150 quid a show for it, something yeah. like that. You could do it, and so we did it, and we did loads and loads, and we did six series, and some of them were rubbish, but most of them, the majority of them were okay, yeah. and some of them were brilliant, really, really brilliant. And let me tell you why uh, I talk about it always with affection, because what it did for me, uh, I did it, and then I did some other stuff, I did a game show on the back of it, and some other stuff. Was there a chat show? Yeah, I did a chat show. Right. Uh, which was, I did a thing called The Show. Okay. Michael Palin was on it, wasn't he? Yeah. Uh, so what? my mate was on that show. Ooh, ooh, ooh. So my mate, Ben, he won Blind Date. Yes, okay. And, he and, got they, ex- and, and yeah. the girl got exposed as a prostitute. Yes, yes. And Ben, who was my mate I grew up with, ended up... On the show. On the show. And we was like, God, he's on a show with Bob Mills. And then... He's sitting next to Michael Palin. Yes, What's going right. on? Yeah, 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 yeah I remember. <laughs> so uh, what that show was, this was an idea that we had that, um, right, uh, there was a show called The House and it was about the Royal Opera House, okay? And it was about the making of an opera at the Royal Opera And it went to the wardrobe and makeup and the, and the lighting and the conductors and the sound. And it was really, really fascinating. It ran, there was three, three one-hour shows and I watched it. It was really fascinating and then said, yeah, but... Why don't they now show you the opera? That, I want to see the opera. I've seen yeah. the whole build-up to it, and then now opera. Okay, fair enough. And then, so when we pitched this idea, we said, right, what we'll do is every week we'll start filming on Monday morning in the office, the making of this chat show. Right. And then on Thursday night, we will make the chat show. We will have the chat show. And then all night Thursday, all day Friday, all day Friday, uh, we will edit it, and we'll edit the bits together. Yeah. And then we'll put it out on Friday night, okay? And it worked brilliantly, but it was ridiculous labour-intensive, really. But it's the beginnings of all those things like faking it and all those hidden camera shows. Because the two guys that did it were really amazing because they had these little little cameras and they were there all the time. And really and truly, by 11 o'clock Monday, you'd forgotten all that. You didn't notice them. Yeah. They sat very quietly. They didn't breathe and they took up no space. And sometimes when you're in the edit, you think... He wasn't there when I did that. He couldn't have been there when I was there. But they were. And they filmed, yeah. like, casually in round corners. And then we added it all together, and, and, and that's right. how it went out. And, it, again, that was hit and miss, but it was, it was it has the best ending to any series that I believe has ever shown. I'm not in the last shot of that show. The last shot of that show is the producer and the editor in a meeting at Channel 4 in Horse Ferry Road. And in the meeting, they say... Haven't made a decision yet on the new series. Uh, I've got to be honest, uh, there was a lot of shows that were up for it, and there is now two on the shortlist. There's you, and there's a show by uh, Armando Iannucci. And the last scene is the producer, it's a backward shot from behind of them walking down the steps, getting into a taxi, and one saying to the other, oh, we're fucked. <laughs> and that's exactly how it finishes. And so the Anucci show was one of his many yeah, many shows, yeah, the day yeah, to day or something yeah, like that, something yeah, huge like that. Yeah. And so that's uh, and that's all. There were six of them, and that's and that's all there ever was. Right. And that, and that was it. But going back to Medina, just to explain this, the wonderful thing about uh, in bed Medina. So I did some more telling, and then it finishes. It finishes. Then your, your your career on television finishes, and you get silly offers and you think I don't want to do that and you go back to doing stand-up I was a stand-up then I was a guy on the telly then I was a stand-up again uh, and so I go to be in stand-up but the great thing is 
when you get to my age, there's a lot of stand-ups whose life is unfulfilled. Yeah, yeah, they think, yeah. I've never really been a big star. Yeah. Might, I've had a good life. I've had a good living. I'm, I'm a good stand-up. I've, owned, I've got a, a house and a family. I've brought up my kids. But I've never had the big, you know, if I could have live at the Apollo, if I could do this and that. And the wonderful thing is me is I have none of that at all because I think, if they asked, if they gave me a load of money now and say make a TV show, it wouldn't be as good as that. Yeah. So I've done it. It's like there was an itch, but it was scratched, yeah. which is why I'm now. You know, I go through life and say, "You, what are you doing talk radio? Are you doing what are you doing that for? Are you doing, I'm doing that because someone offered me, so I did it. Yeah. Because I don't have any ego problems at all. Yeah. There is no sense of unfulfillment, which is a I thank God for every day. It's a wonderful yeah. gift I have, and that's because of that program. Amazing. Because there are people out there who have no idea who they are, and they say that they say, "Really, it's oh man, that's how I was really. I had no job, and I was in this pox little bedsit. But me and my mate used to watch that show, mate. And I, I, I think oh, honestly, I mean, I've got so many things like the, the knockers. Like, I mean, I've met what, two what, of them. Well, one of them's my doorman. <laughs> hey! He's one that grabs the strategically placed, strategically placed sticks. <laughs> So that's one of my doormen. This, this car got any brakes? You find out in a minute, mate. <laughs> I mean, literally, I'd never heard the word muggy bonehead until that show. And oh. literally, I mean, this Saturday before last, I'm watching the Tyson Fury fight with all my mates, and I went, he's Dan. And when Fury got up, I went, oh, mate, what's he going to do? And literally, one of my mates went, punch me in the fucking ear roll. And it was like, brilliant. And... All of us, straight away, it's like, Sykes, that amazing. Is, oh, Sykes is man alive, Sykes. <laughs> Mind you, I'll tell you a funny thing. Years and years ago, I was walking through Lewisham Market and someone came up to me, a little, little snout in his mouth. Yeah, Mills, you'll love this. Here, have that. And he gave me a book. I said, oh, thanks, mate. And he was gone. And when I looked at it, it was Sykes' book, Sweet Agony. And I, <laughs> right, and I took it on put it on the shelf. It must have been a year or so before I read it. I was going somewhere on a train, didn't have a book, picked it up, read it. It's the most heartbreaking, beautiful book. Really? It's, oh, man. It's about a world... I mean, Paul Sykes was a desperately sad man, but he fought for the British title. Yeah, yeah, he was a good boxer. And he, he grew up in that in, in the Nat Basso world of Northern fighters. Right, yeah. we'll put you in it. We've got you against a young, big black lad. Do three rounds. And I give him three rounds. Uh, and then you're out halfway through fourth round. Don't you dare go beyond that. And it was all that. Yeah. And it was this evil world. And it was... He, basically, Paul Sykes, by definition, was a paedophile. Right. Because Paul Sykes was lived with and married to... 15-year-old girls right. when he was in his mid-20s. But it was because they were much cleverer than he was and they manipulated him yeah. and, and he was... Because he was educationally subnormal, basically. Yeah. So his mental age was like 10 or 11. Yeah. But they're just fantastic. It's a sad book. It's a deeply sad book, but really, really... Parts of it are very funny yeah. and really, really moving. Uh, sweet, uh, yeah. Funny wow. Book. I'm going to uh, have a little look for that. I've, I've watched quite a few bits on the, on, on YouTube on Paul Sykes because obviously we all knew him from in bed me dinner. Yeah, and uh, and then I found out obviously he was a he was an half decent boxer. Have you seen the fight? No, the fights on YouTube. Oh really? Uh, was it 
John was it John John O'Shea John Gardner? I think well, Gardner was John L. Gardner or John H. Stress, forget which one it was. Right. It was one of them that he fought. Stacey. So, who was the heavyweight? Stacey. It was one of them. So either right. John H. Stacey or yeah. John L. Gardner, I forget yeah. which one. But he's he's doing all right. He's doing all right. And then he just all the breath goes out. Yeah. Him, and at one point he turns away and the ref stops the fight and stuff like that. But his thing is that he'd been drugged up by this doctor who was, yeah. you know, giving him loads of stuff to keep him going. It, yeah. It's just... Tragic. It's a fascinating book. Track seven, and it's your last song, Bob. Ah, really? And it's the song that... So it's your opportunity to, um, to offer someone a song that they might not have heard before. Okay. Years and years ago, um, I'm sitting in... We, we used to live in Wigan House, which is a block of flats in Warwick Grove uh, by the Leabridge Road. When we first got married, me and, me and Jem. So 30... 30 odd years ago. And there was a, as I say, late night television had just started. And they used to have, I guess, the precursor of MTV. They would show videos. They didn't have any yeah. advert content. They just show videos. And this video came on, and it was a band called They Might Be Giants uh, with a song called Don't Let's Start, which is a brilliant, brilliant oh, song. Oh, what a brilliant great song. record. Don't, 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 don't let's start. <laughs> brilliant. And I, and, and I went out and I bought two copies of it. Funny enough, from the shop next door to Mr. Hotbread in Tottenham. Right. And I gave one to my mate, Ronnie Golden, who was uh, Tony DeMoor, the lead singer with the Fabulous Poodles. Yeah. And then became the brilliant, and still is the brilliant uh, comedian, Ronnie Golden. I gave one to him and I kept one myself, which I've still got. I've got it in one of those box frames. Oh, really? Because it was later signed by the band for my son. Uh, And he's got that in his room. But they are the most... Sensational band, the, the Giants. They've made untold numbers of of, uh, of albums, and I had the great pleasure of spending the day with them. They came to GLO, and I was working there, and they they did a live session in the studio downstairs. When, when was this, Bob? How long ago? Oh God, twenty years it must be, I suppose. So that would have been what? what I was don't that? know. When was that GLO? I can't. I can't remember when. Yeah. 20 years ago. Don't Let's Start was before Flood, wasn't it? It was before, like, yeah, Bird yeah, Ass In Your Soul flood. and stuff yeah, yeah, like yeah, that, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was it was around the Flood time. Well, no, yeah. a bit, bit, bit after that. Anyway, they came in and they were doing a live session. I remember interviewing them and saying, I said, I hope you don't mind me saying this, but in the canon of popular music, and it should be the Rolling Stones, U2, you know, the Eagles, they might be giants. It should be that. But it's not that because every time you write a brilliant song and you put it on, you think, oh, that's brilliant. Now, let's do that one where you bang the top of the bin lid and we sing, oh, Terry's got a turpentine, turpentine. You know, you put nonsense and they would laugh and say, yeah, no, I don't know why we do it. <laughs> We've had so many managers, so many record companies saying, these 10 songs on this album. We say, yeah, but... Yeah, but we've got another hour's worth of yeah. stuff. We've got this brilliant thing with a xylophone and a mole. <laughs> and they just they just do it. Yeah. So everything they do is is a mixture of brilliant three-minute pop singles. Yeah. And there's, God, there's so many of them. There is. Anna Unger. Oh, that's my favourite. That's my uh, favourite. It's well, just beautiful. It's a beautiful song. But my favourite, and I consider it to be the perfect three-minute pop song is a song called Destination Moon 
Uh, don't bother to call his name. Da, 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 which is fly rocket to the moon. Yeah. Fly rocket to the apple. Fly taxi to the apple. Fly roll. Because they sing beautifully and their harmonies are beautiful. And, and their songs are compact and perfect. Uh, but their albums are crazy and, yeah. and, and full of... Yeah. And all these weird stuff which they, which they... And then I saw them uh, a couple of months ago at the Barbican. Every now and again, my son contacts me and says, come on, I've got some tickets to take you to see the Giants. And they are just outstanding. Yeah. But they do shows, so they'll do weird stuff and, yeah. and then little bits of theatre. Because did they end up doing stuff for, like, Sesame Street or the Muppets? I'm yeah, sure. they do yeah. stuff like that. They did a whole song of the children, which is... the. The sun is a mass of incandescent gas, a gigantic nuclear furnace, where hydrogen is turned into helium at a temperature of millions of degrees. The sun is hot, the sun is not a place where we could live, but here on Earth there'd be no life without the light it gives. And they do all these kind of weird things. They have a, uh, I don't know if they still do it, but you could phone. There was a number where you could phone uh, a song a week. And every week you find there'd be a different song. Oh, man. They just do record it and stick it on. It's just, but I love that. Yeah. It's like when I was growing up, here's a weird thing. I, I love Tamla Motown. I love music. The one block, the one blind spot, and people chay me to the rafters about that when it comes up. I don't like Stevie Wonder. Okay. <laughs> now, I don't know why. Well, I do know why I don't like Stevie Wonder. But I don't like his voice. I know some of his songs are incredible. I know that they're monumental gifts to the world of music. But when I was growing up, he had spent... It's either Songs in the Key of Life or The Secret Life of Plants. But he was being interviewed about this, this album that he'd spent 18 months recording and was just about to start mixing. And I remember thinking, no. You, that's... No. Bands should make three albums a year. Astral Weeks, two days. Two days. There you go. Bang, off you go. And, do. and what, the, what the Giants do is they go into a studio. I don't know this, but again, they go into a studio and they say, let's do that song. Oh, that's brilliant, that song. Yeah, let's mix it. That's done. Now, let's do this. Now, let's do this. And they and it's it should yeah. be, you know, this, there's so much fun and joy and the joy of life shines through kind of everything that they do. So Destination Moon, if you haven't heard Destination Moon, and let's be honest, the chances are that you haven't. The great thing now is you don't have to go out and buy it. Yeah. Go on your computer, put in www.http.com, and then you go on there and you put in Destination Moon. Yeah. Uh, they might be chance, and it will come up and, and play it, and it is... It is the perfect pop song. And hopefully it'll open the door to the back catalogue of They oh, Might Be yeah, Giants it, because it there's a lot of joy to be had there. Oh, man alive. It's... Dr. Worm, go and listen to that. I'm not your friend, I'm just your only birdhouse in your soul. They open with that always, birdhouse of your soul. Birdhouse in your soul is one of the most perfect pop records they ever are, made. They are perfect pop records by renegade madmen who aren't pop musicians yeah. at all. But they love what they do and there's a joy in it and there's and there's a big there's a gangly skinny guy who plays you know, plays all different instruments. He's got no right to be in a pop Yeah. Group. No right at all, the, the 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 two Johns. But they are they are what they are, which is They're incredible nerds, right? Yes, yes. Exactly that. Um so what's what's happening now, Bob, what are you up to these days? 
Well, um, I, I'm, do you know what? I was going to, I was kind of waiting to retire. <laughs> My kids have left home now. They've grown up. They've left home. Uh, and me and Jan, we, we live in a quite nice house. Um, and the plan was let's sell up, downsize, uh, get a place over in, my wife's from northern, she's Turkish from northern Cyprus, let's get a place over there and let's go back and beyond and let's sort of ease down a little bit. And then I wound up on talk radio. I was only on talk radio one day a week with Jim White and then we had a chat and he said, I, I, I like, rather than different people, I like to have a kind of, you know, kind of an oppo really, a, a wingman. Mm. So would you do five days a week? And I said, yeah, I'll do it for six months. So we're in the second year now, and I do it, and I quite enjoy it, and it's nice. So I'm kind of doing that. I'm working. I've kind of got a full-time job for the first time in a long time, and I still do live gigs because I love them. Yeah. There's nothing, you know. If you've never done a live gig, do one. Even You know, if you can play a guitar, go and, don't go and do an open mic night. If you can anything, join an amateur acting group or something because yeah. there's nothing better. And for me, it's still the greatest, greatest feeling in the world. Tomorrow night doesn't matter the dates because it's a podcast. But tomorrow night I'm going to the Potter's Arms in Winchmore Hill, but not the London one, the St Albans one, uh, to do an hour for them for a Christmas show. And I'm already looking forward to it because I love just... Because I've been doing it a long time now. I've been doing it 32 years, so I know how to do it. Yeah. And I don't get frightened of doing it. And I go and I chat and and then I know when, when I've got a joke that I can do and stuff yeah. like that. And it is... I love stand-up more than anything else because it basically, when I was on the telly, I did the telly for about, about eight years, eight or nine years. It's a good stretch. Hmm. So it's, you know, it's a good, if you're a footballer, that's a good career. Yeah, definitely. And a little bit of money, not a lot. I've never earned big money, but it was fine. And then it finished. So we're not doing that anymore. We don't really do that anymore. And it's finished. It's gone. And I, I remember going to a meeting in Soho with two very nice lads who said, uh, we're, we're making a program with celebrities. And um, this is about uh, the pharmaceutical industry. Did you know that the pharmaceutical industry in the Western world spends £30 billion a year? But there are some places in the third world that have no pharmaceutical products at all, and yet they still survive. And there is a, a tribe in the um, in Nepal, in the foothills of Nepal, who uh, found out that within the urinary tract there is enough uh, antibiotic in it to to keep them uh, keep, keep them healthy. And we wanted a celebrity. And I listen. I was listening, listening, and I said, "Sorry, hang on a minute. Are you offering me five grand to walk halfway up Everest and drink my own piss?" <laughs> and they said, "Yeah." And I sat and thought, that's a lot of money, five grand. And I suddenly had this thought, imagine if I'd been in a soap opera or or something like that, and and now I thought, I've got to do, I can't turn down five grand, I've got to go and drink my own piss. And it's not, you know, I don't mind if people do that, and it's an honourable thing to do, you're, you're earning money. But I thought, no, I don't, I can't get paid five grand for a gig, but I could do 10 gigs for 500 quid. Yeah. But it's, you know, so I don't have to do that. Mm. So I'll just go back to doing stand up. And, 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 and it was brilliant. You know, it's, it's sort of kept me alive, basically. And you haven't had to drink your own piss? I haven't had to. <laughs> That's the difference. That's what separates. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Bob, 
Thank you so much no, for coming you. down it's today. A joy. Thank you for reminding me of my name on the escalator. <laughs> As I think, I, when, when you sent me the email saying uh, I'm the guy who felt the need to remind you, I did send one back. I think saying, when you reach my age, it's That's good right. to sometimes be reminded. <laughs> oh, brilliant! Thank you very much, Bob. Much Thank appreciated. You. There you have it. Off the beaten track podcast with Mr. Bob Mills. What an absolute gentleman! Bought me a muffin. Listen up, future guests. If you're coming on here, buy me a muffin. Oh, and it was a lovely muffin and a nice coffee. Oh, what an absolute gent. Uh, It was a really, really good chat. Um, Thanks so, so much, Bob, for coming over and doing that. It was great to be able to reminisce um, about In Bed With Me Dinner with Bob Mills. That's not an everyday occurrence. And, uh, yeah, I had a lot of fun. And once again, thanks to WeWork for letting me use their space. And thanks to you lot for listening. There'll be another episode next week. And if you can't wait, there's a Patreon episode sitting there waiting for you. Find out about everything we're doing, www.offthebeatentrackpodcast.com in association with Pod Bible. See ya. It's Off The Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whipping. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.